great. Uh, tonight we're joined by uh, Andy Phillips, um, a successful entrepreneur. Uh, welcome to Doing It My Way. Oh, well, thank you. Hey, Andy, guess, welcome. Everything is, um, um, I guess, up to perception, whether how successful we are. But <laughs> well, well, how do you define success? Let's footnote Chris's intro by saying uh, alleged, because we go. don't know you, so we've been told you're an entrepreneur. Um, Andy has the distinction of being our first guest, and I think uh, last week was our one-year anniversary, our first guest that we do not know. Right. So We, we awesome. met an hour ago. Yeah, we, we just met. So uh, wel- welcome, and I think that's awesome that you had the, the, the balls to... I got the distinction of being the first one. Yeah. It's yeah, wonderful. You I'll take it. I love it. I told you, I'm lacking the fear button. So uh, bring it on. We, we just jump right in. Where were you born? Palm Beach, Florida. Palm Beach, Florida. Yep. Man, the FLA. So I February of nineteen fifty-eight. February of fifty-eight. Palm Beach, Palm Beach, or West Palm Beach, well, or Okeechobee. So Boulevard I lived or? in Palm Beach. They didn't have a hospital in Palm Beach. Right. So West Palm is where the hospital is that I was born. So a uh, fluent family. No, my dad was in the Navy. And had come out of the Navy and decided he was going to be an architect. So building so, was going on. He moved to Florida. But, but he lived on Palm Beach proper. I used to live in West Palm Beach. Well, I guess in today's world, everything in Palm Beach is affluent. Back in those days, I think our house was about 700 square feet, and it wasn't beachfront. Yeah. Was he, was he, was he, in, was he in the Navy... Uh, Korea. Korea. So he's Korea. Okay. He was Korea. Got it. Um, and what, did you guys have money, no money? No. So my mother came from money. Okay. My, it was a Washington, D.C. family. And actually, my grandfather came through Ellis Island in the, like, 1905, 1906 from you know, on the bottom of the boat. Right. And became quite successful in D.C. My mother... According to her, I actually went and interviewed her about 10 years ago. She married my father in defiance of her father. Like, she was not going to be part of the family business, and neither was my dad. So he was, a, he was fresh out of the Navy and didn't want to live in D.C. Got it. Um, so Irish, you know, they were Irish, scraping by. Irish kid? No, Jewish. Jewish. In- I'm 99.5%. I'm a purebred. Did you uh, do that? Eastern European, yeah, Did through one of the, the thing? one of the things. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, yeah, 23 and Me or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eastern um, European. Oh. And, and your dad was what, a, a architect? He was an architect. Got it. And mom a was smart a guy. Homeworker? Mom was a homemaker. Okay. Homemaker uh, and big time into dogs, training uh, dogs. How, how long did you live in Palm Beach? So we, I moved around a lot. Um, I never went to the same school twice. Not until uh, my junior and senior year in high school, actually. Wow. Wait, so grade school? Where were you? Every, all over the place. So really? we went Florida, New York, back to Florida, up to Maryland, then to Denver, and a variety of places in Denver. Wow. Um, before, before junior high? Before junior high. And wow. Was this because dad was looking for No. You know, our family life was... You know, the, the, the family circle I used to look at in the newspaper, I always wondered yeah. what that would be like. Got it. That wasn't... It wasn't the, that. wasn't the Brady Bunch. That wasn't what I grew up in. Yeah. Um, no, we were... The, the family 
moved around for a whole variety of reasons. Got it. And then we ended up in Denver, which is where I, I ended up spending from eighth grade mm-hmm. through graduating. But then I was also part of the busing that took place back in the 70s, early 70s, where the government thought it'd be really cool to create some forced integration. Mm-hmm. So I uh, so bust you further than you needed to be. Well, they took a handful of white kids and stuck us in a school that didn't have any white kids. Okay. Oh shit! There you go. <laughs> um, did you, uh, in those times that you were moving around, did you have a job or were you a good student? I was never a good student. I always had a job. Got it. Um, one thing my family instilled upon me: if I wanted something, I could have anything I wanted. Got to work for it. Just go out and earn it. Oh, cool. So from the third grade on, I had the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. I'd get up in the morning and fold my papers and deliver them. Shit. And then after school, I'd come home and fold my was papers Rocky and Mountain, deliver them. Rocky Mountain, the evening news? No, Rocky Mountain was the morning. Denver Post was the evening. Yep. Oh, so you, so you, did, you did two routes. I did two routes. Now, the only part that was easy was collecting. And right. back then, as, you know, you'd go around and hit, knock on the door, collect for the post, collect for the news. And I could collect both at the same time. Then I went to work. My dad went from being an architect to a contractor. Mm-hmm. And so I'd get odd jobs working on job sites. So um, when I wasn't delivering papers, I was out cleaning up homes under construction. And, and, and uh, Denver was growing. Oh, Denver was a boom. Yeah. That natural gas was driving Denver, so the seventies were a boom. And and junior high, like uh, fond memories, like fun. Um, I worked. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I didn't spend a lot of time. No in Friday school. night I, dance. You know, I'm sure there was, but I was always the new kid too. Yeah, you were. So, the, you were yeah, every you were the year, kid with the bag pack. Every year, I'm the new kid, like the last kid to get picked for something. Right. And so, because nobody freaking knows you. No, but right, right. So I went to three different junior highs. Really? Wow. Yeah. Ah. Back then, it was uh, seventh, eighth, ninth. Well, right? luckily in junior high, we're all so well adjusted that you could, you <laughs> of could, course, you could handle, you could handle the move. You know, <laughs> when you don't know any different, it's it becomes real it's just right. it's just, just what you did. it's what you did yeah. it's the way it works so, so you wow. literally at the start of every class first second third fourth all grades you were introduced as the new kid i was the new kid <laughs> oh wow. man every that's year. crazy you know it, it, looking back i went through my periods of time where i thought boy poor me yeah but then i realized it's probably really been the key to my success all my life cuz i'm not afraid i'll go through any door yep right right um and I'll meet people, and I'll know people right. pretty change, damn fast. Change, you know? do, change doesn't slow you down. No, it doesn't. The, the, you know, there's always that. Every once in a while, I hear people talk about, you know, I've known this person for 50 years. or right. and, and, and there's something to be said for that, for sure. Um, but you can't have it all, right? right so I right. got what I got. So, did, so high school, did you play sports? I skied. Skied. Skiing was always my, my sport and, and working. And so all through high school, and the way it ended up working out, not only was busing part of my high school experience, but we had part-time. So as a sophomore, we would go to school from 7 to 11.30. Uh-huh. And then as a junior, it was from, I think, like noon to 4. I didn't wow. do well, particularly my sophomore year. In fact... 
I passed diving. <laughs> so diving it was the only class I passed. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, that that's a that's a good class to pass. Well, it was probably because that teacher just took mercy on me because most <laughs> of it was. What happened was that I had developed some friends, and they were all older than me. And so as I was getting ready to go to school, they were leaving school. Okay. And so they'd come peeling around in their 76 Camaro and say, hey, come jump in. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to go into that building or I'm going to go in that car. Right. right. I think I'll go in that car. And, um, and so this was the 70s in call in, in Denver? Yeah. Were you guys smoking weed? Took my, I turned my phone off. <laughs> my wife's trying to get hold of me. Your your uh, your, bu- your buddies, um, older kids, and yeah. so what, what would you guys do when they when you ditched? Smoke pot. Yeah, it's the seventies. Yeah, and skied. It's, it's and, funny in the it, winter time and skied. Now I would only be able to do that for a certain period because then I worked at Colorado Building Specialties, which was a building supply place, and so I could go have fun with them in in. Um, for a couple of hours, but then I had to go to work. Right. And then, you know, it's emptying boxcars and emptying But you were like a guy going to work. And I was you, a guy going to work. Of course, yeah. back in those days, we all went to work smoking pot. Yeah. It was just shit. <laughs> and this is, <laughs> we do today. This is mid-70s? Well, I graduated in 76. 76. Yeah, so 75. So 75, right? 74. The bicentennial of our great yes, country. It was. Yeah, there there you go. Go. it was a fun what, time. What was, it, what was it like getting bust? Well... It was pretty scary. Sure. Honestly, and I'm not that big, so I became a pretty good runner. Yeah. Did you get did you, uh, you get your ass kicked? More than once. Yeah. You didn't. The, the, the biggest challenge was white kids couldn't go in the bathroom. Because there would be. That's where the drug them. deals were going down, and yeah. that's where bad stuff happened. Um, but I had plenty of black friends. And, and, you know, it probably really rounded me out as I'm pretty colorblind, always have been. Yep. I'd grown up meeting people, and I didn't care what color they were, what religion they were. There was a lot of kids there that weren't too happy with us moving in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't know why you were moving in. They didn't know why we were moving in, and, and they didn't want And you didn't choose in. it, and they didn't choose it. So. No, but it was imposed, and you know, it was what it was. Um, you got really good at holding your pee all day? Um, no, we go out to the parking lot or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think... I think it was, it, that was the worst part about it, right. really. I mean, you know, the first couple of days, yeah, I was scared to death. Right. But, but even then, not so bad, because the ninth grade, where I went to ninth grade, so... This is... So I moved... Down in Denver. So like, I was moving initially when my, my folks finally split up for good, and I went with my dad we moved into this little one-bedroom apartment in a predominantly Latin American part of town. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a particularly nice part of town. but So the, the eighth grade, I went to school with mostly Hispanic kids. Then ninth grade, we moved into Denver, and just the way the lines drew, it was a pretty mixed environment. And so I was accustomed to both the, the Mexican kids and the black kids. And then 10th grade... Going to a a high school, it was still probably 70% white and 30% other. Mm -hmm. 11th grade is when the busing really took on, and then it was about 90-10. And And, and what was the – why was the busing? This was Jimmy Carter – as president, integration. Yeah, forcing forcing Forced integration. uh, Well, it was integration. It was, you know, they wanted, yeah, equality, whatever. Mm. 
And so the school we went to was a trade school. It's called Manual High School. And it's interesting. I've done all the searching I can. The one year there's no, um, uh, um, what do they call them? I'm drawing a blank. Records? Uh, right, no, the book. Your, uh, oh, yearbook. Yearbook. It's the one year there's no yearbook. Really? Wow. Yeah. So and it, it, that was the first year of busing. I mean, it was it was crazy. We had our vice principal walked around with a baseball bat. Right, like it was a, it was a it was a street scene. It was. It was wow. And and do you think do you remember? Can you recall that they did not publish a book that year, or no. the book is stricken from the record? I, all I know is I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, right? that's I weird. I can't tell you why. Yeah. I've just gone and looked, like out of just yeah. sheer curiosity. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, but I. I um, it's funny. I, I, and I had lots of friends, and I had lots of black friends that I created in that school. Because it, yeah, who gives a shit, right? right? And and they weren't they weren't prejudiced. I wasn't prejudiced. I mean, nobody was. It was right. like we're all together because so. our lives are all fucked up, anyways, right? Well, we're in it together. Yeah. Okay. It's weird. I'm so ignorant. I would just as a as a person that's been to the Denver airport and never in Denver in the '70s, I would just think Denver is just a big white town. Were you thinking of Stapleton? This is before DIA, right? But here's an interesting line. There's a there's a, a movie. I can't remember the name right now. Memories for kind of passing me by, but it is about a black cop that infiltrates the KKK. All um, oh, it's a great movie. There's a line in the movie. Oh, it's a great movie. Where the, you're right, you can remember. Yeah. Well, there's a line where the sergeant is like ripping on the two cops that are like, "If you guys don't succeed at this," and he says, "If you don't succeed at this, I'm going to get busted down to a crossing guard at five points." I stopped the movie and I said to my wife, five points is where my school was. Wow. That was the corner the of our baseball field yeah. was five points, and the reason it was called five points is that's where the gangs would come together to fight. Oh shit! And that was our field. Shit. Our baseball field <laughs> at our high school. Right. And Google Google that movie. Uh, trip, uh, what was it? It's a black... Uh, it was made for TV, yeah. right? No, 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 no. No, it no, was a movie. It was a KKK and then... Uh, black Klansman. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Black Klansman. Oh, it's cool. a great movie. Yeah, it's in Colorado Springs, so who would have thought you had the KKK in Colorado Springs? It's a great movie. And these this black cop infiltrates the KKK yes. all on the phone... And, you know, oh, finally, no, it was, it was tense. Yeah, it really was. But that whole line, I will never forget that line because I told my wife. And that's where you were about where I'd gone to school. Old. And she'd never really got it. And when that line, I said, just listen to what they just said. That's the high school I went to. So now do you believe me? Right. Because there's no yearbook. Right. right. So, right. so you there's went no to proof. a trade high school? Well, Manual was a trade school that then got converted to more of a conventional school. Okay. But prior to busing, it was 100% black and, uh-huh. and or, I don't know, 90% black and 10% Hispanic. It, it, okay. was, it was in a really rough part of town, um, kind of a lower demographic. And mostly what they focused on was trades, which, you know, frankly, I think America can use a little Dude, more trade amen, schools. Amen, brother. <laughs> a freaking I mean, man. So I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong no, with most it. Most high schools now don't have wood shop, metal shop, auto right. shop. It's a shame. Yeah. Or, 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 hey, we're going to teach you how to mail a letter. And fucking balance home, check. Home ec. Home ec. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's cooking, cooking sewing. How to, how to, how to make a freaking, uh, you know, fried eggs. Yeah, my sewing teacher in eighth grade, Miss Mussolini, she yeah. was hot. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, I took typing. I yeah, remember I, the manual typewriter. I, I was, mean. so I was, uh, I graduated in 86. 
And in 83, I think it was 83, I was the last, we were the last class that actually had type, type, typing typewriters yeah. on typewriters, IBM typewriters with a manual uh, carriage re- retreat. The next class under us had word processing mm. on computers, you know, big, ugly, you know, DOS sure. driven. Oh, wow. Com- but we were the last ones to actually use manual typewriters. See, we weren't And they allowed. faced them out. And my teacher, our, our teacher was my mom's teacher in the 50s. Oh, wow. Miss Couser. <laughs> Notice how, you remember how was, the name. How, how was Miss Couser? She, she was Was mean. she hot? No, she was so mean. <laughs> she was mean? Yeah, we... Um, we had manual typewriters. We were not allowed. I remember Texas Instruments came out with a calculator, big buttons. We weren't allowed to have a calculator to take a calculator to school. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything was long math. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not say that I got a great academic education, but I got a great education in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know, a number of years after I graduated, I got some communication from the school asking. It was like a survey to find out how my life had turned out and how did busing affect it. And I was oh, really? very positive about it because I still really believe, like I never particularly liked school. Right. Um, I, I became a carpenter by trade and was very good at it. And I had no problem with communicating with all kinds of different kind of people. And I attribute most of that to the fact that that's how I grew up. And that school was really just another step in my opportunity to get to experience the world at a whole different level than most people. Wow. Did you did you get a car in high school? I did. What was your first car? Do you remember? I do. It was an Opal Cadet. It cost me 90 bucks. <laughs> I, I like cadets. That car, I'm going to tell you, driving that car skiing, going up I-70, I'd go about 35 miles an hour. But remember the old Cheech and Chong movies where the smoke would just be pouring <laughs> yeah. out the window? So that's what we'd do. Because yeah, you know, I'd have it in third gear going. Do you have your, <laughs> your your ski sticking out of the window? or you? Um, no, I put a rack. You had a rack. You bet. And, and uh like snow tires or chains? I'd get studded tires yep, and yep. sometimes <laughs> chains. and Or I'd, sometimes I'd wait for the sanding truck because I could keep up with him. Oh, you could beat the shit out of a and, cadet. And I'd follow uh-huh. that sanding truck up. And then I, I graduated to a Datsun 1200. Yep. And I drove that car. I graduated with that car. Did you graduate I, high school? I graduated high school. In? in 76. What it, and when you're graduating high school, you're not a student. Right. What do you, what do you, what's that like? What do you, what's the decision there? My dad, when I, so when I failed my sophomore year, my father sat me down and had a really well composed father to son conversation. Uh-huh. If you want to drop out, move out. <laughs> that was brief. Right. As long as you're right. in high school, you can live in my house. Right. Three days after I graduated, I moved out. Got it. Um, I loaded up my car, my little Datsun 1200, and I spent the next three months driving down to La Paz, Mexico. <laughs> Fuck, dude, La Paz in, in 1976. Oh, yeah. We did La Paz in ni- 1980, I don't know, it was probably 82, 83. We used to summer in La Paz, camping. Fuck, what a great place. Oh, yeah. Well, that drive was interesting. How long did that take you? Three months. So you so you leave Denver, Denver, and did you go? Ha, ha, I'd cruised shoot through across Arizona? through shot through got out, was it down, down on the ten? 
uh-huh. and then cruised across to, um, <laughs> well, we made a little stop in um, Douglas. Okay. Thinking we could buy some pot once we got sure. into the Mexican side. And smart to do. Right. We can go across the border with it. Um, and then we just continued along the panhandle of Mexico there until we got to um, Tijuana. Yep. And then what was it? there was a toll road. I don't know if the toll road was there or not. But, you know, once you got past Ensenada, it got pretty rough. There yeah. wasn't a lot of roads. And, yeah. And, and um, But there were a lot of great places to go and camp. And we found this. There was an area. There was a bunch of surfers. Kind of right where the road decides to cruise to the east going across the Baja so it's running along the Pacific, and then the road goes east across the Baja and then follows the Sea of Cortez. Yep. At that point, we found this, you know, back then you had a map, right? We right yeah. You didn't have cell phones I, or any of that shit. Thomas guy? <laughs> who, who's, who's in the... I had a buddy with me. The Dotson or whatever. I had a buddy in. with me. And why, why, how'd you pick La Paz or how'd you... you we just, just said, were Let's going. go. We're just going. Let's go to freaking Mexico. Let's go to Mexico. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Like I'd how already money, driven. How much money did you guys take? How much money did you? Have? I had about two hundred bucks. <laughs> That's so fucking great. And and, and the and the uh, the the goal was let's just go there and wait till we're out of money. Pretty much, or, yeah. In like, camp, just, or? We, were, we were camping. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't seeing hotels. I right. can assure you. But Me- we Mexican chicks, we surfer found, girls. Right, so we're going to get laid and we're going to have fun and you know who knows what we'll find. Sometimes I wonder, like if I would have made it to Cabo. And stayed there in '76. I'd be a gazillionaire by now. Like, what about yeah. that? Fucking oh, oh, hey, or dead. Well, that's always a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, that right. is a possibility. Yeah. Now, we used to pull. I'd pull my car up, and I would tie one end. I had a, a hammock, and I could tie one end to a palm tree, and the other end of the car, and that's what I slept on every night. Yeah. See, new yeah. cars don't have bumpers. No, but we had bumpers. Yeah, yeah. bumpers. Right? And that bumpers Dotson are got, freaking awesome. Got like. 45 miles to the gallon. And even that Pemex, which was, didn't run, you know, car keep running after you turn it off for a while before yeah, <laughs> chug until it stopped. But, Pemex, fudge. Um, so we, we we had a good time. And finally, you know, we're down to about our last 50 bucks, and that was enough to get us back. And How long we, were you in La Paz? Well, the whole time was about three months. So I don't okay. know how long we actually stayed you, in La Paz or guys, any one particular place. Do you, re, do you recall... Uh, and and is you still in touch with this dude? No, I haven't talked to him no? in years and years and years. Well, you yeah. should, so he can listen to the pod. Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, did you guys talk about, like, what are you going to do, what your future is, or well, were you just living for the day and and you'll figure it out later? So he did. The guy's name was Dick Foss. He was a good guy, smart guy, really smart. He was, he was on the college route, so he just, you know, he knew I was a little crazy and... Figured he'd just tag along. His, his plan always was to go home. Mine, not so much. So this was the summer? Yeah. Okay. This was summer, just like within, summer within of a week of graduating from high school. Yes. Summer of 76. So he's, he's saying, hey, I'll go hang out for the summer, and then I'm off to I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go to school. So that's what he did. Yeah. We made it back across the border, and we made it to Thousand Oaks. And the next day I got a job at Oaks Lumber. And ended up moving in with the guy that hired me. So you're in California for the first time. For the first time. Welcome to California. Wow. And how did you meet this guy? The guy that I went to Mexico with? Was no, the Oaks, Oaks. I just went and applied for a job. So you went and applied for a job. I got hired. 
and, and he said, said, I need a place to yeah, live. And I said, I need a place to live, too, by the way. <laughs> and he and said, so he said, okay, you can sleep on my couch. No, he just it's just a, just a dude working there. Yeah. He, yeah how long was your hair? hired me. I don't know, probably about the length of yours right now. My hair gets real curly, mm. so never gets real long. So, but, uh, so he but knew I knew he, lumber, he, and he knew I knew lumber because I grew ah, up in construction. So okay. I said, look, I, I, you know, I know how to hump studs. I know, you know I understand, understand the lingo. Yep. And so he knew. What, what was the phrase? Hump studs, carrying okay. studs, carrying lumber. Yep. So he hired me. Okay. And I ended up moving in with him, and I stayed there for a few months. And, but then I met this girl, and she just she came from she lived in Westlake. Yep. And you know, blue blood family that they had her life all planned out. And here I come. Where'd you meet her? You remember I, at a bar yeah. somewhere. So there. you're 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 18 years old, uh-huh. and you you meet some ch- chick at a bar, and she's like, dude. Oh yeah, I, right. She oh yeah, she was like. She wanted to marry me. Yeah. She was driving me fucking crazy. She <laughs> would <be nuts. laughs> And it was fine until it wasn't, right? Yeah, of course. And and then, um, so I broke it off with her. And then I came home from work one day, and there was, she was sleeping with my roommate. I didn't like that. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> she, so she got some revenge. <laughs> she did. So I moved. I, the next day, I said, all right, fine, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to go back to Denver. And so I went back to Denver and um, started up a, a business, a framing. I went to, I brought a few guys in. I found a few guys and started up framing. And because Denver was just Denver's a building. Anybody in construction could have a job in about four seconds. But, wow. you, were, but, but you, were, you were aware enough to, instead of work for a framer, you started framing. Yeah, I went and I got work. I yeah. said, "Okay, I can do. I get a bit of job, and I got the job." Do you do you That's remember? Ballsy. Do you remember that that yeah. job that like? Yeah, it was it was so look, and it wasn't all on my own. I had I called my father and I said, "Who's building?" Okay, he sent me over to somebody, and I got got the bid, the job, and I got the job. Wow! And do you remember? Were you were you scared? No, were you, no, what was I scared of? I don't, I don't know. I just didn't know like. You're going and pitching a uh, hey, I, I can do no, this. No, I, I knew I knew how to build a house. Mm. I knew I knew construction. I'd kind of grown up in it, and I just knew it. Okay. Um. And and I got a lot of work. Well, then I met another girl, and who turned out eventually to be my wife. Okay. She ended up pregnant. I was twenty. And really, what happened was I I'd met her. And then I kind of got a wild hair again, and I went and I told she and my father, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive down to Florida, and I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to get a job on a boat, and I'm going to go somewhere, wherever the boat's going. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm just, I'll be back in a few years. So <laughs> was, was, was this because you were tw- you were 20 at the well, time? Well, I think I was 19 when I You were 19? Just because you, you, you didn't want to be a framer? Or well, because I was... You'd wander less. Oh, I, I, I just didn't know what I wanted. Yeah, you know? yeah. Trying to figure it out. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Um, but I didn't want to do what I was doing. I, mean, I was having fun. Being a framer is fun. But um, it's hard work. And, and I didn't really want to be married. Um, but then she turned up pregnant. Okay. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to buckle down. So I bought a lot in Denver for 5000 bucks, and I took the next two years and 
on weekends and evenings and mornings, I built a house. <laughs> and where are you living at this time? You and this you and this woman are a living a rental house and okay on, on Evans. Um, but I I took this two years and I I worked every single day. And what were you do, what were you doing? I was framing. You're framing. Oh, you're still I was framing. framing and trimming, and I'd bet you know pay, pay, the bills. pay the bills. But this is your side project. And I built this house, and then I sold it, and I decided to do it again. What'd you sell it for? Do you remember? Thirty-two thousand dollars. And what was your all-in cost? You remember about sixteen grand? Fifteen. Th- yeah, about fifteen. Wow. So you doubled down. Yeah. And and what was that like? It was awesome. You remember that? Well, that I remember because that's when I realized how to make money. Then wow. I went, okay, Dude, this is I pretty fucking, fucking cool. This is, low, I can, this is cool. I can do this. And you're 20? I was 20. 20, and it clicked. I was 20. My first kid was born, We and I, I didn't get the cabinets completely finished on the house until I sold it. <laughs> I had to build the cabinet doors. I had, like, everything done but the cabinet right, right. doors. So, Incentive. Some, something's always not done, right? So yep. then I thought, okay, I'm going to do this again. So I, I went and I bought another lot, and I did it again. And it got a little hairy because I put my house up for sale about halfway through construction of the other house, and it wasn't selling, and mm. I was getting really nervous. Mm. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm going to put both up for sale because I can't afford both. Fortunately, the right one sold, and so I moved into the next house, and that would have been 1981. 80, 81. So now I had a kid. And another one on the way. Okay. Um, and then the bottom fell out of the economy. Yeah. Um, big time. It, like all of a sudden, there was no work. And nobody's building. Nobody's building, and builders couldn't afford to pay us. So even work we were doing, we were, we were getting paid partial payments. And so I started doing remodel work just to pay the bills and wow. make a living. Um, and that's when I decided, okay, you know, I'd met all these old carpenters, you know, old, 40 years old, 50 years old, <laughs> but they're walking around like they're old. Right, yes. right, right. And I was thinking, I don't know that this is necessarily my future. Like there, there might be more here. Right. These guys are 90 um, and they're 45. Yeah. My dad lost everything. He had branched out and decided he was going to built himself some homes and he ended up having 16 homes on the market and interest rates went up to like 16%. Oh God. So he was down and out. And I remember going to him and telling him or asking him, I said, you know what, I'll keep doing work on your properties, but when life gets back together, I want to be a partner. And he turned me down and I said, okay, well, that's your choice. Yep. Um, and I was keeping a lot of his subs working because a lot of them, they, you know, they, my dad wasn't the swing and the hammer type. He was the architect type. So, you know, he wasn't out there getting his knuckle scraped on the ground like the rest of us were. Right. And he didn't have that relationship with the subs. And once I moved away, they all quit working for him. He called me like six months later. said, can you come back? And I said, shit, I sold my house. I moved to Albuquerque. I started his new business. I'm, I'm gone. What, what oh, back up six months, what was that What was that when you guys decided to go to Albuquerque? What, what's the draw in Albuquerque? Well, so I went hunting with my father-in-law. Okay. And I really liked my father-in-law, my first father-in-law. He was a very cool guy. Um, seat of the pants, 
had a fourth grade education that had actually bought the 50th Burger King ever. Oh, cool. When the 50th Bur- franchise. Yeah. Oh, cool. And they ended up owning four of them in Fresno. I don't know why friends know, but I guess that's where they directed that's him. Right, but right. They needed, needed, they needed he four did pretty well. He was an airplane mechanic. Um, he taught me to fly. He taught me to tie a tie. Ah, cool. Like, he was just a good, he was a that good guy. dude. He yeah. was that guy. He was a good guy. And he and I were up hunting, 1981, leaning against a tree. It was snowing. We're kind of like waiting for some poor elk or deer to come walking by. And he, his wife never liked me. Uh-huh. You know, I was a Jewish kid from the wrong side of town without an education and a future. And I was not what they had in mind right, for their, right. their daughter. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I, in fact, I pretty much epitomized everything they didn't want. Right, right. Um, That's how it happens. <laughs> but he liked me because he knew I was a hard worker. Right. right. And he appreciated that. And you know, he's the one that said to me, you know, you got to find a white collar job. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be having these ups and downs your whole life and it's not going to work out too well for you. You're, you know, you're probably not a good idea. He said, and I met this guy that has this franchise called Checkright. And you ought to look at buying one of those. I went, All right. Well, what is Checkright? And he said, well, you know how there's those stickers on a cash register that say if your check balances will charge you five bucks? Well, that's what they do. And I said, well... I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And you said, well, they'll teach you. You just have to pay them. And I know you've made some money on those two houses you built. So you ought to look at buying that. So I I went home and talked to my wife about it. And she was pretty gung-ho. She was like, you know, whatever you want to do. And that's when I went to my father and made the, the deal, the offer to him. Got of, it. And he said no. And so I said, all right, well. Never up, never in. Let's go for it. Albuquerque's 400 miles south. Worst case scenario, I know how to swing a hammer. I can always make a living. Wow. What was it, What was your father-in-law's name? Paul. Paul. Paul Whistle. Paul Whistle. He sounds like a good fucking dude. He's a yeah. good guy. He ended up... He So so he taught me to fly. It was like one of the prerequisites of marrying his daughter. I'd learned to fly a plane. <laughs> that's, um, that's a funny prerequisite. <laughs> and, um, and, and I became a really good pilot. And... Um, in fact, we, we, he taught me to race airplanes, and so we used to buy these old planes, and he was an airplane mechanic. We'd fix them up, and I'd race them. Jeez. I almost died in one once because it caught on fire on me, and oh, I shit. had to land in a field. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. ended up ultimately dying in a race. Oh, wow. It was wow. really sad. Oh, really wow. sad. Like, At least he loved it. He, he set the world record, flew his bonanza around the world by himself, Took all the seats and everything out, filled it up with gasoline. Fuel. Oh, my and God. This dude had grande balls, man. Yeah. Oh tell you. Did he make the fuel tanks for the... Yes. Yeah. Like, he's that guy. He's that guy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, hey, going back a little bit, I think it was really poignant to hear, hey, you need to get away from the blue-collar work yeah. to the white-collar work, which I, in pro- doesn't necessarily mean that hey dude you can't be a in construction it's get out of that low level get to that next level where right. there's a bunch of people doing stuff for you well he actually had the saying you can work for a living or you can have other people work for your living yeah 
I kind of prefer the former. <laughs> Man, and what, so, a, what a what a yeah. powerful powerful a thing. Lesson. And wow. and I ended up having three crews by the time I was done, and you know, so I was making money on them. Um, and and you know, and I owe a lot of it to him. Sure, you know, look, our parents provide what they provide, but really, he gave me um, he gave me so much sage advice on on just how to look at business, mm-hmm. and and he and he warned me as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to lose it more than once. Wow. And that just means, what is it, Thomas Edison said, I didn't find 100 ways not to do it, or I I didn't fail 100 times, I just learned 99 ways not to do it. Mm. Um, He really instilled upon me, work really, really hard, work really, really smart, and it takes both. You you hear the the work smart, not hard, but... Frankly, I, I think it you, you takes both. both. Yeah. You need both. <laughs> takes he both. probably he probably had some damn good Burger Kings. He did. Because he, Yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. that guy. Yeah. Right. Well he had a saying, he'd say, If you can lean, you can clean. Yeah, that's, well, that's I was that's in the, the I was in the restaurant business and that I heard that saying forever. Yeah. You got time enough to lean, you got time enough to clean. You betcha. Do something. <laughs> so what was it like moving to Albuquerque well, and, and buying into that franchise? It was tough. I think I made fifteen thousand dollars a year of nineteen eighty three. Mm. Right. How much was, was the franchise? Tough. You remember? Fifty grand. Fifty grand. Oh, geez, wow, that was a lot. lot of money. But I'd made I'd made when I sold my second house. So the first one I was all in around fifteen, doubled my money. The next one I was in all in about seventy, and I sold it for one hundred and eighty. Okay. So I had some money. Yep. Um, and I, I it's a good thing because I didn't make a hell of a lot of money in eighty three. So by day I would walk around selling merchants on letting me collect their bad checks and by night i'd sit there on the telephone and call people up and ask them to pay their bad checks so you were doing you were doing everything i was doing everything wow oh, so the franchise was you chase the money right and get five bucks yeah you're a collector uh, right okay so and I, this is pre-software so this is you with a phone yeah, we had cards and, a, and a, an index we had index cards this is not like, oh, you got spreadsheets no. and upload no, this. No, there, this, was, this was the early 80s, okay? There was no <laughs> so, cell phones. So this, was... is, this, is, this is pay as you go collecting. This is, a, in fact, I remember I, 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 did, they, I got an employee. I hired a gal. And, uh, and uh, needed, I needed someone who spoke Spanish because Albuquerque, even if right. they didn't speak English, was no habla inglés. Right, so... So I remember one of the first days I was collecting and I'm working off of this card and I said, hi, may I speak to Jesus? <laughs> and Anita's over there just laughing and I'm looking at her. Right. What? And she's like, <laughs> and she's yeah, finally, yeah. Jesus. I said, oh, sorry. Hey, can I speak to Jesus? Well, the other end of the phone knew it was a collector when yeah, you said that. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's a white guy on the phone. He's collecting. Right. But I, so I ended up being a pretty good sales guy. Like, you know, my father-in-law tied like seven ties for me and put them on a hanger. And, and I kept those ties in my closet. Yeah, don't every untie day, them. No, I didn't untie them. Right. Every day, you know, I'd put on my shirt. I'd cinch up that tie. I'd put on my coat. I'd start on one block and just walk. Every merchant knocking on doors and say, I want to collect your checks. And the, the franchise gave me this whole sales book, right? So I had the whole spiel yep. on this is what we're going to do for you. And then we we did. We did, it did. Cost, did it cost the merchant anything? They had to, to pay five bucks. They had to pay five bucks for a bulletin that we would deliver. We typed out. 
part of the name of the consumer. Couldn't type the whole name. So you type the first three letters of the last name, first three of the first name, and then part of the account number off the check. And so we'd type this bulletin out and we'd deliver it. This is what hammer, this is how we collect, because we tell people we're gonna put your name on this list and we're gonna give it to all the merchants and they're not gonna take your checks anymore. Got it. So didn't take me long then to decide typing this bulletin wasn't a really good way to do it. So we did get a computer. It was a Morrow computer, which was long before DOS. Um, I didn't know much about it at the time, but the franchise came up with it. And so then we all of a sudden had some technology that would print the bulletin. <laughs> and um, about a year after that, I met a guy while I was out selling, and he was factoring credit cards. So you go back, now, like our kids today would not, couldn't possibly believe it's like that there was ever a time without cell phones, mm-hmm. without computers, or that merchants didn't take credit cards. Right. But the only people that took credit cards were big department stores. Yeah, most people didn't use them. No. And merchants didn't take them. And those that did would deposit the receipts just like they deposited their checks. Only they would have to wait for a week to get their money. So what this guy did, which was brilliant, he would go write checks to the merchants for their credit card receipts. And then he would take the receipts over to the bank and then sell them at a discount to the bank. And he kept the difference. And he was making pretty good money with it. And I was like, shit, that's brilliant. That's... Well, he was older than me, and he wanted to go retire and go to Fiji. So he sold me his business. So now I could go offer credit card process or check collection, and I'll buy your credit card receipts for you. So I picked up all his clients. So that, that, that speeded up them getting their money. Right, because now they had a check, which they could get next day. Use so, funds so, so they have a thousand bucks outstanding on credit cards. Yeah. You give them the thousand. I'd give them nine hundred and fifty bucks. Okay, you give nine fifty, and then you would go, go collect the thousand. I'd go to the bank and I would collect the thousand. Okay, and you'd wait yeah. the two weeks or whatever the time. They was. would give it to me real time. Oh shit! That was the deal that we had worked out. Because so so I was making it easy for them. I'm bringing them the receipts. They're not having to peel them out of the merchant's deposits. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And so I would get, I got face value. So I was making my 5%. Yes. On top of, I would get the check collection business. So this, is made, this was making merchants sticky before sticky even was a term, right? Because wow. I was offering them two. Yeah. So then I decided. Two, two things they, prior to you, they hated. Or they, they wanted didn't cash. Have, right. They want they want people to pay in cash, right. and people wanted to pay in check. And then in the eighties, they wanted to at least start paying on credit cards, but they feared it. But well, they didn't understand it, pay. and it was manual. You, they, we had knuckle busters. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we had the the bulletins that Visa and Mastercard would put out. You had to have like X ray vision to read those things. And the you had to, you were, had to pay Visa and Mastercard a vig of something, right? No, I, I can explain then? how all that works, but it's oh. the same then as it is now. I thought the they, merchants didn't want to pay the three percent. Well, part of the discount the merchant pays goes to Mastercard and Visa, so the bank was paying it at that at that time. Shit. Okay, those those are the early days of Mastercard and Visa. Much different than they are today. Yeah, my dad had a restaurant in the 80s in northwestern Pennsylvania. And everybody paid cash. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'd, he'd come home with a bunch of cash. Mm-hmm. And then credit cards started being... And now, 
I bet you restaurants. I, I don't think nobody nobody wants to take cash. Nobody anymore. wants no. cash. Yeah, no, it's the crazy. opposite. It's the opposite. Total opposite. But I can remember, you know, people throwing me out. Like, I'm never taking the credit card. Right. Don't to waste my time. This is crazy. But then in the mid '80s, like '84, '85, the first point of sale terminals started to come out. And those were the, the terminals, and they were big back then. They were like you know, size of a good sized telephone, where we could do authorization. That a modem. Well, it had a bit, it worked on the telephone line. Okay, it wasn't really a modem, but that it was, was that it was dial up. That was real time, yeah. but it was dial up and it was authorization. Right. And so what I did is I'd walk around with a terminal. I'd go into a store and I'd say, "Here, I'll just leave this here, and I'll be back in two days to pick it up." And of course, nobody let me pick it up ever, <laughs> never, because wow. they could use it and punch in the card. Because we didn't have mag stripe back then, but they could punch it in and they can get an authorization. So they knew they were paid. They, they were knew paid. they were going to get paid. Now that still didn't. So it didn't handle settlement. No, but still they had knew. the deposit. But the authorization was right, good. Right. So right? they didn't get the money today, but they knew they were getting it. They knew they were yeah. getting it, which so, is a relief. It, well, and and they didn't have to worry about that bulletin, which most of them, you know, unless you were twenty, <laughs> you couldn't read it. How about that? Or look up, you know, the gazillions of card numbers because you know, anytime people went bad on the credit card, they'd go on that bulletin. Bulletin. Oh so, my God! That, were you making money? Well, once those terminals went out, you yeah. bet. Because then we made a deal with a leasing company. I would buy those terminals for like two hundred fifty bucks, but I'd leave them at a merchant's place of business for forty nine dollars a month for four years. Wow! I'd turn around and sell it to the leasing company, and I'd make a thousand bucks. So I and, started and, making and what's good what's money. what's what year is this? And are you in 84. Albuquerque? I was in Albuquerque. It was eighty four. And, like, your first, like, as soon as you get the machine, like, within 30 days, you're like, oh, shit. I within, like, 72 hours. So you knew. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. This was a, this was a game changer. Wow. This was really cool. Did you, did you buy um, a car? Did you buy anything? Rolex? Um, I think my wife bought me a Rolex for my birthday like the next year like a presidential we had been through no i never got the presidential i've never been kind of that yeah that that shiny <laughs> <laughs> you know just, i'm not really like the, the i don't like so i went through a period much later on when i started making kind of stupid money i wanted a jet okay i wanted a jet yep i got my jet then i got really happy when i got rid of my jet yep um but as far as jewelry goes, no, I've never been. Jewelry and clothes are not my thing. Got it. Um, I'm not really into things like that. But I, it was nice to start paying off debt. And I was able to start actually thinking about buying a house again. Oh, cool. You know, Because now all of a sudden I could see, I always had the, in the back of my mind, well, I can always go swing a hammer. Mm-hmm. Pretty good carpenter, both inside and out. So I can make a living. Boy, I sure do want this to work. Yes. And, and I had a vision. And my vision was I wanted to sell Safeway. Now, back in those days, I don't know, you know here Safeway, a lot, of, a lot of people don't really know. You know, there was a time when Safeway was. They were Ralph's. They were the big, yeah, they were the big kahuna. Okay. And particularly in Texas and New Mexico, Safeway was it. And so I used to drive from Albuquerque to El Paso once a week trying to get in to see the controller of Safeway at 180 stores. Mm. And after two years, I finally got them. And 
and that and that really catapulted do you remember that pitch remember that meeting i do remember the meeting i ended up hiring the controller Um, oh, yeah, but, I remember but that it, took two, years, it, was, it, it was took two years to get two an years appointment to get, an, uh, to get in front of him, face to face, face to face. And then when once you did, what ha- what what did you do? Once I did, I was able to explain to him how much better job centralizing his check collection could be if he would let me do it, and how much prevention I could provide by combining all that information and putting it in my computers that I could put in lane in his stores. And when he heard that, he was like, "Great, do it." Then I was like, oh, shit, now i got to do it. got to do it. Um, so I flew my plane into every little farm town in New Mexico and West Texas. I'd go with my crew, 10 o'clock at night, jackhammer up the floor, get a hold of one of the walker ducks, start pulling tape, fish, fish lines down to each cash register where they could punch in the check number and we'd come back with an authorization. <laughs> and once I got them, I got all the other grocers. And so the business just... Like exploded. It catapulted. It was cool. Wow. It was really and cool. What year was this? 86. 86. Really cool. Um, and Reagan, Reagan's full in charge. Life's going good. Yeah. Okay. We expanded into El Paso, over to Midland and Lubbock and Amarillo, that whole panhandle of Texas. Um, I put a lot of hours on my plane. What, okay. was, what was the plane? A Cherokee 235, a little low wing. Is that a four-seater? Four-seater. Yeah. I could so. land that thing in, on a dirt road. I could. It was, it was a great plane. That's plane that burned up on me. I, I was, <laughs> it was an unfortunate day that yeah, it caught uh, on fire. Uh, and planes, I, on, planes on fire doesn't sound so yeah, it was, not, I became not a member of what's called the Lucky Bastards Pilots Club. <laughs> <laughs> I walked away from it. Um, Jeez. You still fly? No. No? No. It's, I, I have this, my personal belief, you're going to fly, do it a lot. It's not something to do once in a while. Because mm. when stuff happens yeah. like that, I, I had three pretty close to near-death accidents because that plane was a 64. The next Jeez. one I had was a 57. Things would go wrong, and you don't have a whole lot of time to react and respond. Um, you remember your last uh, flight? I do. Um, I, I had decided I was going to go start flying again, and so I went and I hired a guy to fly with me and check me out. Um, I did a few touch-and-goes, and, and it felt okay, but... What I was not comfortable with was flying into weather and flying into airspace. And airspace, you know, in the 80s was one thing. In the 80s in Albuquerque or in Denver was one thing. But you come out here, I remember flying it's, into it's Long like, Beach once. It's like the 405. the hell out right? of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whole different world. And I went, nah, this, either do it a lot or I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. And so I just decided I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Anyway, that, that Safeway deal really turned out to be huge because the next thing that happened was the government decided they were going to put food stamps on debit cards. Oh, and, shit. And like a true salesman, I went down to Safeway. They picked, and, and fortunately, um, Albuquerque got picked as one of the four test markets in the country. Is that a EBT? Uh-huh. So, so Albuquerque's a test market. Yeah, well, why not? It's isolated. It's got the right demographic. I mean, it made, and by the way, I had wire pulled to cash registers at every grocery store in Albuquerque. How, how easy was it to convert that? Ooh. This was where I learned what business is all about. Because I went and I sold it. And then I went, oh, shit, how, now what am I going to do? I had no clue. I really had no idea. I, I remember going home the night that I got 
told yes, thinking, boy, I really stepped in it this time. <laughs> right, right. Instead of <laughs> celebrating, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, it was a big oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, because I had no clue. Um, my CTO today taught me how to use a mouse. I didn't even know what the mouse was. I remember looking at the hourglass asking him, what is that? Um, first thing I had to do was I had to raise some money because I had to upgrade the system I had in those stores had 300 baud modems. Just think about that. And if somebody picked the phone up in the back of the house, the thing would fail. Mm. So now we're going to take debit cards, which is really what EBT was. I had no idea. So I had met a guy. can't remember exactly where. Basically a loan shark who had said, you know, if you ever need money, give us a call. And so I just happened to go to New York and happened to call him up and happened to be in town. <laughs> he says, go to the Hotel Pierre, go to room 827, knock on the door. I went, okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I walked out with a check for two million bucks. <laughs> Holy well, shit. What's going on in room 827? That's where they lived. And is it, lived. what was the vague on that? Oh, it was huge. Right. Oh, right. It was huge. It was all of it. Was it was about 30%. Um, do, do, but it gets even fun. It gets even more fun. So I, I hired, I went through three different companies before I finally successfully hired a technology company that could build the switch for me. And what happened then was we, we got it up and running by about 1991 and every night it would go down. And every night I'd get a phone call and I'd have to get up, get my car, drive down to my office get my tech guy who was in Dallas on the phone and he'd talk me through rebooting the system. It fixes everything. Even human beings, you know, we need a reboot. Yep. Just shut us down, meditate for a while, bring it back up and everything works <laughs> every night. And you know, there was no online stuff and we didn't have cell phones. So this was just for two years. I'd drive down there every night. And this is, because the, the system, system couldn't take what you were putting on it. Yeah, it just did. We didn't have the technology back then dialed in. And you were pushing it. Well, it was brand new. There wasn't yeah. like yeah, a model. Like there wasn't knew. something to copy. Right. Okay. Like the bandwidth was this and you were this. We And I didn't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And I, like I said, I went through three companies. So I hired guys, paid them money. They came in and they failed. And mm. you know, So this this whole time when you're... you're you're growing, you're getting a check for two million bucks, you're signing accounts. Were you like going to bed like what the fuck? Or were you I wasn't like, going to bed a lot. I can assure you. But <laughs> yeah, you weren't celebrating business successes. You know, did I you was buy working. A cool, did you buy a cool car? No, you when you were out, you were out Chris was asking me that. I wasn't really into buying cool shit. Like yeah. that wasn't you my were thing. just working. I was working in the skiing. Yeah. And, and Albuquerque, you know, we got Taos Ski Valley. I put the credit card system in Taos Ski Valley, and I traded them family season passes every year. Genius. To, <laughs> and, Genius. You know, that way they'd put my name on the board when the thing was down, and, you know, I'd come down a mountain, and I'd go fix it and then go back to ski. Yeah, that's like, great. I was sort of living to ski and raising my girls. And yeah. um, by then I had three girls. Well, it's, yeah, by then I had three daughters. And this is when, 91? Um, yeah, and then 92. So, <laughs> 92. To 91, my wife and I decided to split up. And she decided just to leave us. So while I was building all this stuff, I also ended up with sole custody of three daughters. Mm. 
So I had my hands kind of full. Yeah. So, like, what was I doing? I was, we were, I, you ever heard of Truth or Consequences? Yep. The, the, there's a lake at Truth or Consequences. Oh, so okay. I had a ski boat at Truth, Truth or Consequences. So we were snow skiing in the winter, we were water skiing in the summer, and I was working crazy hours um, and building a business. And so my, my VC, my guy who gave me the two million bucks, he got a little nervous when the, you know, when he realized that my wife and I were splitting up because that can sometimes yeah. be the disaster of a well, business. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you called him a VC and not a Shylock. <laughs> well, I had a few choice words. So, but he actually called me and said, I figured out a way we can cut her out completely. And I said, well, we're not going to do that. We, you know, I didn't come to this marriage with anything, neither did she, and we've made what we've made. So she gets, you know, she's going to get what she gets. Well, he then went to her to make the deal, and she took the deal. <laughs> no shit. Uh, so, how about him? So I go to like my... Like, you know who you're dealing with there. Well, I knew when he called me and offered right. me the thing. Like, yeah. you know, well, I knew when I met him. You're right. Yeah, you knew course. when you took the money. Yeah. Like, Look, oh, you fuck. know, you get in bed with the devil. You're, yeah. he, he's, I, he's, my whole goal was to pay the dude what's off. The, okay? What's the guy's name in... The, in uh, um, um, it's like the Al Pacino movie where you know you're dealing with the yeah, devil. Yeah. Okay, I knew it. And, but I didn't know any, where else was I going to get the money. Right, right. Okay? When I, mean, I had need, to do what I had it, to do. you need it. Yeah, it's not like I could go to the bank and borrow it. I had nothing. I was making a little bit of money at the time, but not enough money to get two million bucks, and that's what it took to right. buy all that hardware. So um, <laughs> I go to my office, and I'm locked out. Oh, shit. Well, because what happened was the deal was sell the company to him for a dollar, and then after the divorce is over, he'll give you back 50% of it. Sure. Well, that's not what he did. No. What he did was he locked a fucking door and put a receiver in there. So I went to a local bank and said, I need two million bucks. And, they, and you know, I, I was doing okay at that time, and the, I knew all the bankers in town. And so this guy said, look, get your divorce settled. I'll give you the money. And the VC wanted his money more than he wanted the business because he didn't want to have to run the company. So I went to my wife, whom I'd been fighting for four years, and I said, look, well, so he locks me out of the office, and then she called me like three days later and said, he didn't send me a check. And I said, well, what no do you shit. think he was going to do, you dipshit? <laughs> like, he like, is uh, who he is. I mean, what, he really? He really thought he was going to like, keep, because I was giving her like 10000 bucks a month, you know? And so I said, there's one way to get out of this thing. Divorce is over. Sign, and I can get the money, and I can get back control of the company. So that's what happened. Um, I she we signed the divorce. I went to the bank. I got the money. I bought the dude out, and she sued me again. Jeez. And uh, the court by '96, court just took the company away and sold it through a special master. So we settled. She got all the money, and I got sole custody of my girls. And I was back to square one. Square one. And where's the VC? He's got his money and he's gone. He's he's, 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 he's rich, dead to you. He's rich in New York. He's rich in New York. He's on to the next he guy. Got, yeah, he yeah. got his money and off he went. You well, know, you and know look, who, and I don't he, even really, I don't, I, I, you know, I can, I can, I can fault him for trying to rip her off or rip me off or you know, do that. But 
he wanted his money, and no, you can't blame him for it's that. It's what he no, does. It's what he does. It's, and right. Do you know how many Andes come knocking on door? Absolutely. Eight thirty-seven or whatever it was. Yeah. Like he, that's what he does. That's what he does. That's who he is. It's like the scorpion and the frog, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's my nature. So I don't, I don't fault him for that. And he got his money and, and without him, I could never have gotten what I got. Right, right. And what I got and what I built really set me up for where, where the success I've had over the last 30 years and, and continuing to build on that. So, and, and what was that pivot like that? Would you remember like, okay, divorce is final, paid, sued. Well, and all of a sudden you got nothing again. What yeah, was that? You remember those that, days? Yeah, I do remember, and it was awful. Mm. Um, so I got bought by so I had two suitors, Bank of America, and then and an, and an entrepreneurial company like mine based out of Atlanta. The Bank of America deal, they wanted me to move to San Francisco and work for the bank. I didn't want to do that, so I went and I took the deal in Atlanta. And so I was working for wages at that point. And I'd gotten used to making pretty decent money, more certainly than I was making working for wages. And but, the guy... But you haven't worked for anybody in a long time. Basically never. Yeah. Not since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and the owner was a little bit younger than me, fancied himself a playboy, and really was looking for somebody to go kick around and you know, just party and have fun. And he was making a lot of money at the time. So... You know, I, I, I kind of enjoyed that part of letting my hair down, and, and I'd gotten married at 20 years old and so missed kind of the whole 20s thing. And I thought, oh, well, it was kind of cool, you know, go to strip joints and you know, do shit. That I In Atlanta. Yeah. 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 Not a bad place town. to do it. Yeah. Buckhead was, was booming at the time. Um, problem was I, I met my now wife early on in that time frame. So now I sort of had this conundrum of what the hell am I going to do and commuting to Atlanta every Monday morning coming home every Friday night she's taking care of my kids for me and so I couldn't really go full on out being a dirt bag with him um, <laughs> much as he wanted me to mm-hmm. and because it just that just wasn't me it just didn't didn't really work so here I am working I'm not getting ahead I only had a one-year commitment or not compete um, and about, I don't know, a year later, just, just short of a year, I told him I was going to marry Susan and I wasn't going to keep doing this commuting thing. So he fired me. And that was the day that she wrecked my car. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you um, just... <laughs> n- not intentional. Andy, no. Andy told us earlier that he got fired. His wife wrecked a car, and she was pregnant all at the same time. Right. Yeah. It was, it was really, really. When it rains, it pours. It was an ugly day. Yeah. Um, oh, and let's see. That was January of 98. 98. I better say this right, because it's the year I got married. Oh, again. boy. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. in the ensuing next three weeks, my grandmother died, my father died, and I got married. Oh, shit. Jeez. And, and all my credit cards were shut off, except my Amex. And you have no job. And I have no job. In, in Albuquerque. In Albuquerque. No, yeah, in Albuquerque. Still in Albuquerque. Fuck. So, we, uh, we, and we got married. We were getting married at the Ritz down at Dana Point. And I'd already put the deposit down. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, you had to do it. And my wife's family <laughs> has no money. And her father and brother are driving from Albuquerque 
to California and my credit card getting declined at the gas station. Oh, okay. And they're calling like, we need money. And wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. And she said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's like, well, we don't have to do this. And I said, yes, we do. My Amex still works. God damn it. <laughs> right. They won't know for a month. And so we got married. And, and it was like the, my father's funeral, the day of my father's funeral in Denver, we flew to Orange County and had our rehearsal dinner that night. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Jeez. Absolutely oh, crazy. Yeah. So the next day following our marriage, our, we flew off to St. Thomas because that was my plan. And my wife's like, all our credit cards are shut down. You have no money in the bank. Why are we doing this? And I said, because my Amex still works. God damn it. <laughs> God bless we're gonna American have fun. Express. We're going to have fun. <laughs> and so we went to St. Thomas and... And I got really sick. It like I think it just all finally like mm. came in on me. And I um, I called my former secretary, and I said, "I want you to verify employment for me. I'm going to call and I'm going to get I'm going to get a line of credit." And I called that same banker who had bailed me out a couple of years earlier, and I said, "I need a line of credit," and, and but I don't have a job. <laughs> and he said, "Well, can you get somebody to say you do?" said yeah and so he did and i i got a line of credit for seventy-five thousand bucks and i told my wife i said all right i'm gonna build another company and so we we spent our week in st thomas we came home i moved all the furniture out of the living room put my desk in there and i said i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna make a sale every single day until i've made enough money to pay our bills <laughs> and I'd sold terminals. And every day I would go out and I would not come home until I had a contract. And then I'd go down to Kinko's and I'd copy all my paperwork and then I'd send it off to the leasing company and send it off to the bank. And, you know, right about the time the 75 grand ran out, you know, because I had a mortgage to cover and all the other, you know, lifestyle. It runs out fast. It crossed. Wow. I made enough money in the month that I needed to to cover my bills. Holy shit. And and were there and were there days where it was like the day was waning at three or four o'clock and you haven't sold anything yet? Yep. And you were still committed. I was committed. And were were you were you I was again walking just the streets. knocking on doors, going down walking the streets. Nice. And I where would, where what town? Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Jesus. So Albuquerque's got these main streets that are like thirty blocks of strip centers. And there's like seven or eight of them. Yeah. So you got, and you got, I would you just got prospects. Boom. And, yeah. and, you know, there were times, I don't know how the hell I did it, but it, it's just, a, I think it's just, I, you know, I have this belief now and I've done quite a bit of internal work on it. And I, and it'll, it'll sound a little weird, but I've always believed I can do something. Yeah. Like if I set my mind to it, if I have a different relationship with commitment. Like when I make a commitment, it's going to happen or I'm going to die trying. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it worked and it worked really well. And, and it started to snowball as I built the business. Um, and then along came the internet and I had made enough money that I bought this little technology company for like 80,000 bucks. And these guys didn't realize what they had created. But what they had created enabled me 
to take payments over the internet. And I had created a relationship with a bank that gave me pretty much free will to do what I wanted, as long as I satisfied regulatory stuff. Um, and so I sold this porn company on letting me do their credit card processing. <laughs> I'll never forget sitting in front on, of this guy. Online. Um, I was sitting in front of this guy who was Larry Flint's CFO. And dude's got this big desk, and there's like seven people behind him, and I'm sitting there with my coat and tie Is on. Is this and, here in L.A.? Yeah, I was in San Fernando Valley. And I give him my whole spiel, you know, like I'd given to a thousand other merchants, and he leans back like this, and he goes, you don't know a fucking thing about what we do, do you? I said, <laughs> no, but I'm a really fast learner. And he said, well, come with me. And so we go out and get in his car, and we drive around the block to this tilt-up. And we walk into this room, and it's about this size. And there's these monitors with every conceivable sex act going on. And guys talking into microphones. And he opens the door, and he says, walk down this hallway. And behind door number one, there's something going on. Shuts says, don't walk past that red line or you're going to be on the film. Anyway, somebody's got to give them the ability to accept credit cards, so why not? Well, turns out he was like the king of it. And so all of a sudden, I, my phone just started ringing off the hook. And before I knew it, I was processing more credit card transactions than I knew what to do with, and nobody gave a shit what the price was. Wow. And this was, the this was at the dawn of the 1999. Yeah. 1990, the yeah. dot-com craze. You know who sold more porn in 1999 and 2000 than any other entity in America? The Marriott Hotel. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and, and that's not part of their business plan, by the way. Well, the, they were the Mormons. They, weren't, they yeah. didn't agree with that shit at all. But I'll tell you what, you go into the hotel and turn it on, there's the, the, the adult right, channel. Right, 1999. So you processed how, all How do you the know the price of that, Chris? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I processed. It was crazy. I mean, the company just exploded. Because wow. not only were, was, it, was there porn, and I poured all the money back into the business in developing technology. We were taking phone transactions off of Palm Pilots. We were well oh. ahead of Square, wow. well ahead of Stripe, well ahead of a lot of these guys. I mean, I could take transactions off the Internet now. All of a sudden, all the wannabe Internet proprietors in the world were coming out of the woodwork. Are you still we had located the city in of Newport Beach. I, had, I would put credit cards in Santa Monica. I put credit cards in UPS. Where are you located or living at this time? Still in Albuquerque? No. in 90, So so now all of a sudden I'm making like a bunch of money. A bunch of money. So I moved to California. Moved okay. to CDM. Got it. Yeah, because you need a bunch of money to live there. You do. <laughs> but I, I was making a bunch of money with not much overhead. Yeah. Right. Um, of course, then I decided, all right, this was part of the – the value of being able to make it and lose it. You know, I'm, I wanted an office in Fashion Island. So I took the whole first floor of the 620 building, Newport oh, Center Drive, and had 105 employees at the time. And we, we were really doing well. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of work and not entirely the type of business that that I really wanted to be in. But, you know, it's hard to kind of get out of it. Especially when it's just cranking, right? It's lucrative as can be. My wife hated it, you know, the fact that we had that stuff coming in. But um, then Visa came in and made the choice really easy for me. <laughs> they said, knock it the hell off. Like, they were trying to get control of the stuff on the Internet. And we're, when we're making it easy for people to pay for it, they didn't like it very much. So... Um, you know, this was one of the one of the more challenging times in life because I was making really silly money, and then all of a sudden, it just like the spigot turned off. Wow! And I had 105 employees and a big time rent, and the most profitable part of our business went bye bye because I had to call these guys and terminate their business. And and it was Visa's choice. It was Visa's choice. So Visa's not doing business with porno companies. Well, they are, but. They didn't like it, and they were getting a lot of pressure from Congress at the time. The Internet was first starting to crank up at this point. Yeah. So nobody ever could prove it, but it was very coincidental how bankruptcy on your visa debt got far more difficult and far more um, burdensome at the same time visa started to crack down on on companies – processing credit cards for the porn industry. So things changed pretty dramatically at that point. Right. And, and you know, like I said, it wasn't something that my family was too happy about. Mm-hmm. They didn't want us to have a the, the stigma, the relationship with it. You know, it's, it's one of those right, things. So right. it's just- anyway, we, we shifted the technology and then really started focusing more on municipalities and putting together embedded type payment solutions and coming up with some pretty creative stuff. And... Then um, some, a company came in and made me an offer I couldn't refuse, said they want to buy the company, and you know, made me an offer that I'm sitting there thinking, how, how can this be? Mm, right. More money than I ever dreamed yeah, of. Yeah, great feeling. What, what year is this? That was 2004. So 2004, they come in, they're going to write you a check. What, do you have to stay on for a couple of years? Three years. Three years. So I did it, and it was actually really, really educational. And were they public or were they no, private? They're private, but they had about a billion dollars worth of private equity money. So mm. they ran like a public company. And what I had recognized was I had built my company up to the limits that I knew how to build it. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, remember, I barely made it through high school. So I really had no formal training in how do you run a company? That's, that's, that's that, that big. big. Yeah. And so part of my thought process was, okay, A, it's more money than I know what to do with. B, I'm really stretching the limits of what I know how to do. And so I sold to them. And and I had a really good education for three years on we had to refinance that and, billion and dollars. They, they knew and you knew that once you sold, they know how to scale it past your, your confidence Absolutely. level. Right? Absolutely. Well, they then, already were and, bigger. And then you were along for the ride, so now you're learning. Uh, they were already exponentially bigger yeah. than me. Um, but they were really more of a bank-centric company, meaning they, they were offering like backroom services to banks as opposed to the direct-to-the-market. The, direct but they bought another big portfolio the same month that they bought my company. 
So a year into the transaction, we were killing it. We were hitting our numbers. Everybody was happy. The CEO of that company came and asked me if I would form a new division for them that covered the type of business we do and covered this big portfolio that they'd bought that had like 80,000 clients in it. Oh, shit. They were losing like 3,000 of them a month, though, because they weren't servicing them properly. And they weren't servicing the sales agents like me properly. So I took that role, and that's where my education really came in on the structure necessary to take a company to the next level. You know, the, the structure of what type of management meetings do you need? What sort of reporting requirements? What, what are the fundamentals of taking a business from here to the next level and to the next level? And this is the stuff people go to Wharton to learn. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But I got OJT. And, and it was pretty cool. We got, I got to go to New York doing a road show on how do we present to the private equity firms on this is, this is what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it. These are the safeguards we're putting in place. These are all the different components necessary to take a company to whatever that next level is going to be. So I, I, I have a question. You're presenting in Manhattan, mm-hmm. right? A bunch of Wharton grads, bunch of Harvard guys. Everybody's got MBAs. Are they asking you, like, when you go to cocktails at night, where'd you get your MBA? No, and things like that. Are they? No, they're. At, it's not. It's not in that environment. What the the various times that we did this, that we would be like on a Diaz, and they would be in their seats, and they would just fire off questions, and the questions mostly posed to me because my department was. The, my division was the biggest division. Yeah. How are you going to hit your projections? So they're what? asking operational questions, not background questions. Yeah, right. And 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 you didn't care if they did, no. right? It is what it is. Very rarely would anybody ask me where I graduated yeah. from college and when they did, I said I didn't go. Yeah. Funny, yeah. funny. That, that's, a, that's a wonderful point because, like, you don't have to go to college to be successful. No. No, that, <laughs> no and there's, the, you know, there's, a, there's a, a group of bankers in Manhattan that, they could have graduated college 30 years ago and they act like they graduated yesterday and it's still their identity and what they talk about. Right. Yeah. But there's also guys that see value and who's on the dais, dais and mm-hmm. saying, wait, he's running the biggest, most profitable part of the business, part of the business. Let's, let's talk to him about how he's doing it. Right. And that's that those were the type of questions. So what's going to happen if, what are you going to do if, what's your strategy? What's going to be your differentiator? How, how are you going to manage this growth? And what's it going to look like? And what's EBITDA going to be when, is it, is it accretive? Is it, what's the capital requirements? I mean, I understood all this stuff. Yeah. I learned most of it. You learned it. I, some of it, I just see to the pants. And then part of it, I would ask, we had a CFO who was a bright guy. Um, we had a COO, she was a pretty bright gal and, um, I had what I had already learned. So I find, I find it uh, really cool that you went from, uh, what was the phrase? Humping lumber. (laughs) Yeah. Humping studs. (laughs) Humping studs to seeing the value in technology and how it can catapult the business. And you don't know anything about technology, but you knew, you knew you had to attack it. Right and and yeah. and do that, and you yeah. you you don't come from a, a background of technology. You come from nails and hammer and two by fours. Right, right. Which so it, it's it's interesting to hear because that's like two different dudes. Yeah, that's, well, that's like it's huge. funny. It's 
funny. I hear you say that. It's it, it's still that way. <laughs> Isn't that great? I don't even know how to get into our servers. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. My badge will open the door, but I wouldn't touch a button. Right. Right. Um, I come up with these great ideas because I can see them. Like I can see connecting the dots, but I don't know how it all works and I don't need to because I have really smart guys that they know how it all works. Right. And, and I bring them in when somebody wants to know the details of how the technology works. I tell them, okay, well, the, now we're, I'm over my skis, so let's, let's bring in some guys that know. So, to, so to fast forward a bit. Oh, hold on real quick. Okay. I want to I go back to the stupid offer. That time, what was that, what was that going, going home and telling your wife? Well, telling your kids, telling like, that, that hey. That was amazing. I mean, what is that? It's a really difficult thing. I, I, it's a great question. I remember where I was when the wire hit. Oh, fuck yes. Like, I was standing in the Keolani on the island of Maui when the wire hit. Were you, were you checking it all the time? I was waiting for the phone call. <laughs> so, so the oh, bank sure, Yeah, I was you. waiting for the phone call. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, and they're like wire executed. Yeah, yeah. And I wire landed. You you uh, go to a terminal. It actually and- brings up an emotional dude. No, dude. I'm feeling it. So did you go to, to like, check your account and look at your account? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> did you, you shit your pants? I did. And I who, showed my who wife. Are you, was who were you wife. in with in Maui with? Just my, your wife and my kids and yeah. the kids. Yeah. How old are the kids at this time? That was 2004, so summer was six, and Serenity was four. The other three are, are married. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I knew it was impending, right? Everything had been signed. Sure. We'd gone through, we'd gone through God, we went through two months where the lawyers. But this and, is the day that it, this is, is, this, this this is, is the, the day it becomes true. Right. And so I got on a plane. We went to Hawaii, and we were at the Keolani, which was a place we'd been going to pretty frequently. Um, and I remember standing in the lobby and, and we had just gotten from the airport to there and I got the phone call and it was, it was surreal. Yeah. Like I never, ever dreamed in my life that I would see that many zeros. Yeah. Wow. Ever even imagined. Like, wow. So did you, did you go out for steaks? What do you do? Yeah, we, we went to next. You kidding? It's the <laughs> nicest restaurant there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and I didn't give a shit what it cost. Ryan, Ryan, uh, our, the producer, he's a, a Maui boy. Yeah. So you, you know, Nick. he was a chef there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I figured out, so we used to go there enough. I figured out the whole salt and pepper thing that they had going there. So that <laughs> they would signal. That's how you would signal to the waiters and the, and the support staff have they been offered water? Have they been offered drinks? Do they need to, they'd take the salt and pepper shaker. So I used to oh, mess with them, them and I'd <laughs> twist them. <around. laughs> so, so that vacation must've been that was awesome. awesome. That was amazing. And that's and when you don't care when, uh, uh, uh one of your kids orders milk, uh, whatever, and, and, doesn't, and doesn't, doesn't drink it or eat it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah oh, so I, you're, I so the, is there, yeah. is there like a relief? Are you like a huge decompress? Yes. For sure, for sure. Um, but then, and, and there's like this is one of the I guess driving things, but but things about myself that I still work on 
continuously, there's always the, but what's next? Yeah. <laughs> so I allow myself the elation. And I, and I really was really, really happy. And, you know, look, I was never voted or expected to be successful mm-hmm. in life. It was, we never talked about college, future. Like, I was the envy of all my friends because I had no rules. Mm-hmm. I, I had no curfew. You know, I didn't have to go home. Right. Wasn't anybody home usually anyway. So I didn't have to go to school. I, so nobody really had put a lot of bets on me being yeah. successful in life. That moment was one where I really did the best I could to acknowledge myself for what I'd created. Sure. Right. As I, you should. Because like, six years amazing. earlier, I was flat ass broke. How, how long, how long <laughs> and, did that acknowledgement of yourself last? Um, um, I hope, I hope. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Let, let, let's say. So I, then I spent the next few years working really hard for the company that bought mine. I was enjoying it, but not enough to re-up. Right. And I remember you know, <laughs> a few months prior to my contract expiring, the CEO said, well, are you going to like renew and stay on? And I said, <laughs> I make more money in my investments in a month than you paying me in a year. No. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, 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 and that's hard to go to work every day. Yeah. Even as driven and, as you and, are and when, when you don't have to or need meetings to. Meetings for meetings for meetings for meetings. Right, like, right. Jesus Christ, yeah. like, okay. You're, you're, you're no longer down in that level of, no. of dragging your knuckles, No, right? No. So you, meetings, you don't meetings, re-up, meetings. then what do you do? So I thought I was going to retire. What year is this? 96. December 96. So you're at, at your... F- no, 2006. I'm 2000, sorry. 2006. 2006. You're December 2006. What are you, 52? 48. 48. Uh, 58, Jeez. yeah. 48. Wow. I joined Shady Canyon, and I'm going to go become a decent golfer. And I don't care what they charge for membership. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I'm not a great golfer. Never have been. Um, I didn't start till I was 40. Yeah. And I had bad shoulders. But I thought, okay, I'm going to go be a golfer. I lasted about six weeks, and I was bored stiff. The threshold for boredom, where is it? Oh, six weeks. And I'd get up, I'd look at my phone. There's no text. There's no emails. There's no like nothing. And right. I thought you're out of the game. God. So uh, my non-compete, I still had a year. So I decided, well, I'm going to go become a prepaid card issuer. There's a whole new business, and it's up and coming. And you know what? Payroll cards. This sounds pretty cool. So I and not part of the non-compete. Not part of the non-compete. So I. Went and I started a prepaid card company. <laughs> and a um, little before its time, there's, there was a saying back in those days, and actually still somewhat applicable, you know, you make a little bit of money in prepaid. You start with a lot. Start with a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fortunately, a year later, so now we're in 2000, I started the company in March of 2007. In March of 2008, my non-compete expired. Two days later, I'm back in the acquiring business. This I know how to do. <laughs> and I bought a little company that basically became plug and play, and that was the, the, the beginning of Click as it's known today. And I picked up the phone and I called a few of my former employees, 
Yeah. Man, I've heard that a million uh, I've times before. Heard it so many times. I love and it. I, Fuck yeah, I'm in. Yeah, right. That's exactly what it was. Like, hey, I'm, <laughs> we've been waiting for you. I'm gonna, <laughs> we're getting the band back I'm gonna, together. Yeah, I'm Let's gonna, go. I'm gonna start this. Okay, I'm in. Ride or die, Where? Bitch. Where? Um, That's so rad. And, and now we are probably about seven times the size we were when we sold in 2004. Uh, what, what 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 are, what are the what are the stats the uh, some of the current stats of your company? Well, when you say stats, so we you know how do you measure success? It's kind of something By said in the very By beginning. Smiles. You know, what? like yeah. I, I I'm, I'm healthy. I, my wife loves me. My daughters are all doing well. Right. You know that that's well true done. success. That's true. Okay. Um, business wise, we were doing. Maybe $100 million a month in processing when I sold last in 2004. Yeah. We will process a billion six this month. <laughs> um, That's great. And, and my pipeline is exploding because what happened was over the last couple of years, there's just been this, well, there's been a whole bunch of reasons why, I guess. Um, just purely clinically, there's been a lot of M&A in our industry, in mm -hmm. the payment space. And there's two great big companies. One's called FIS. The other's Fiserv. They're both Fortune 100 companies, and they've just bought up Are they just consolidating everything. everybody? Yeah. And what they've done is they've created this huge glut or this huge space in the industry for somebody who has technology but also still answers the telephone. Can service people. Right, right, like because they're a monster, and 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 the phone rings, right, and we, it just rings. We and answer you guys, the phone, yeah. So you can you can accommodate your clients. There's a company called Stripe, which you may or may not have heard of, but many people have. Very successful. They just got a valuation of like nine billion dollars, and one of my bigger mistakes in life, I guess. They they got two founders or two young guys, two brilliant, brilliant, brilliant young guys. Um, came to me in 2010 and wanted me to give them a big, what's called aggregation account. It's a big merchant account, and they would go out and use their technology to get people to process credit cards through it, and then they would pay them. They, these kids couldn't rub two nickels together at the time, and they wanted me to give them this huge deal, and I said, guys are nuts. <laughs> no. And they went up to Silicon Valley and got somebody to back right, them. Right. And, you know, now they're worth billions of dollars. So, um, But they're one we compete with. Because they, we, we've modeled a lot of their technology, but the difference is that the way I put it to my clients, I don't have a box I'm telling you to fit in. Mm -hmm. You tell me what do you need, and I'll make what I've created work for you. And it's just been immensely successful. And, and Stripe, who's one of our biggest competitors in that space, they're so big now, they've got their box, and you're going to fit in their box or you're not. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you don't. And if you want to get somebody on the phone, forget about it. They ain't going to get on the phone. So, so they're, you, you're, you're taking a lot of their overflow? I'm taking, we're taking a lot of their core business because we now have developed a technology stack. And I'm not going to be as brash enough as to say it's as good as theirs, but I think in some areas it's better. Mm. But it's, it's, there's payments of the way people want to take money from customers keeps changing, keeps evolving. It's not, there's no static way to do it. And our technology we've built very dynamically. So if 
I'll give you a great example. There's a big, so there's M&A in every industry, right? right. So there's a big roll-up on hospitals, hospitals, doctors' offices, surgery centers. And they have these gazillions of points of sale. And all this, they got to um, consolidate data and analyze information and blah, blah, blah. Well, they can't go to Bank of America to do this or Wells Fargo because you know, they don't have anything built that could even possibly service them. We do. So we've built all this cool stuff. Now we're just trying to figure out how to get it out in the market. That's kind of where we're at. But, you know, our pipeline's huge. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So and you're growing. going to, at some point, have another event. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have another event. In fact, I'm on the path. Oh, good for you. And I'm, I'm 64. Yeah, but, but you're going to fucking do another thing. Well, I've already got... A, a, Can't beat your fucking... I've got an embedded... Um, um, consulting gig that would keep me as busy as oh, I want to be. And these guys are like, you know what, when you sell, please just call us and we'll keep you as busy as you want to be. You got the freaking Tom Brady program, and, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So I, <laughs> right, I'm not going to be you'll bored. Be in, you'll be engaged, you'll be happy, and, and you don't have to go to the office on Wednesday if you yeah, don't want I, to. I don't ever plan on retiring. I, in my, it, what was I, I saw a red somewhere to retire is to expire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't ever plan. I, neither one of my grandfathers ever retired. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't think the human animal is, or any animal is supposed to do that. Yeah, it yeah. scares the shit yeah, out of me. Didn't, I, I'm didn't. not afraid of much. Okay, but that. Yeah, being be, waking up in the morning and scratching my head, wondering <laughs> what am I going to do today. Yeah, like tough. look, I like riding my horse. I like going skiing. I like traveling. There's things I like to go do, and I get to now anyway. So. Right, right, right. So, so uh, I love it. We we're we wrap up with kind of uh, I like two things. One, your elevator pitch to our youth, right? My kids. What 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 does it take to to be successful? Type shit. Uh, and two, how do how do we find you? How, how do we find you and your company? Well, the answer to the first one, and I do have this. Look, I have a 22 and a 24-year-old. So you're in it. I'm you know. in it. Um, and I have young people often, and lots of my kids' friends, like, you know, we rented a place on the beach, and over 4th of July, I'll bet I had 20 kids come up to me and ask me, you know, advice. How do I get going I'm, I'm glad they're asking you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Because, well... And I have a, I have, by the way, among other things, I'm a licensed life coach. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I do it with people. I don't charge them. It's just some yeah. people I take under my wing and I'll coach them. I, I would say that, that they got the first step I always tell them is get in touch with your vision, whatever your vision is. What, what do you like to do? Like, what do you, what do you really want to do? What do you enjoy? Mm-hmm. And then figure out, get a, Create a, a plan, a commitment, and and have a real relationship with that word. Like, you're not going to start at the top, no matter what it is you've decided you want to do. Whether you want to be a sports announcer or you want to be a a, a, a a business owner of some kind, get really clear, get that vision. Don't have it be some cloudy concept. Have it become real, something tangible. And then create measurable, tangible steps necessary to achieve the goal. And the goal doesn't necessarily have to be reasonable, but don't also don't make it 
don't make it a stupid goal either. You know, right. If you're 22 years old, don't say, okay, well, I want to make a million bucks by the time I'm 24. Well, that's great. Right. How are you going to do it? Month by month by month. I feel like when the goals that I've set, I come up with a number because that's just how my brain works of, okay, this is my number. This is how I'm going to get there. And then I back into it with these are the steps necessary to achieve that goal. And I don't allow myself back doors. So the yeah, buts don't get to, don't get to be a part of the conversation. One of my favorite sayings is a good story and a good intention do not equal a good result. Mm-hmm. So bury the story, do what you say, no matter what. And before That's you great. know it, you'll have it done. Mm-hmm. And don't allow yourself an out. No, the back doors, you know, it's like um, being on time. I don't buy people's story of, well, there's traffic. Well, of course there's traffic. Right. As they're holding the Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, but how many times you hear people have the story, you know, right. and you're looking at them like, I don't really give a damn what your story is. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. You said you would do something, now do it. And one of the things, I have long-term employees. So probably out of my 40 people, 20 of them were with me with my last company. Oh, it's so awesome. And some of them with even the companies before that go all the way back. And so they know I can be firm, but if you just do what you say you're going to do. Simple. Right. Right. Um, and then we're easy to find. Click.com. C-L-I-Q.com. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, www.click.com. And we answer the telephone. Which the other company doesn't. It's one of my pitches, and I'll tell you what, it matters. It It really does. I tell people, I remember I learned a lesson years ago, and then I'll let you go. It was a restaurant in Albuquerque called Quarters. Quarters was an account I worked my tail off to get. And they sold ribs and crab. And they had king crab legs. It was only two things basically on the menu. And I bought an automated phone system in, I don't know, 1985 or 1986 or something, the owner of Quarters left a message on my machine that said, if you don't care enough about me as a customer to pick up the telephone, I'm leaving. Wow. Click. Yep. And I'll tell you what, I unplugged that machine that day. Never had an answering machine since. And I have receptionists. And, you know, I mean, there are times where the phone might roll over to it, but somebody calls them back and everybody I have rides their cell phone. Wow. Yeah. I really believe in communication and relationship. And if you if you want to be as austere enough as you don't feel like you need to answer the telephone anymore, then I'm not going to be your customer. That's that's one of those Dude, business fucking... 101 basic, basic things like answer the phone, s- smile when they walk in, greet them properly, like just... Own it when you make a mistake. Own yeah. That's the big one, yeah. dude, right? Don't make an Love excuse. You, if we screw up, we screwed up. Right. Own right. it. It's just, it's basic. Well, that, Andy, dude, what a great story. Yeah, uh, thank so you I, so I, much, I, I, man. I think it, I think that's the consolidated uh, version and G-rated version, because I'm sure it's a couple hours more, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I, I'd say ballsy of you to join us, but you you have no fear because you were in a plane that was on fire, <laughs> and you kept flying, you dumbass. I was uh, also kid. I was kidnapped once. <laughs> oh, I can tell you all kinds of stories. Oh shit, we're, we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to double down. <laughs> I was held in Moscow underneath the, what? the airport. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, I gave Could, you, uh-huh. I gave a speech in the Great Hall of the People in Tiananmen Square. 
What? Well, I have all kinds of great stories. Well, okay. We're so. going to have to have a, a <laughs> That's probably second what, episode. what Keith was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, we get drinking, then. Hey, yeah. I'm in. I'm yeah, in for. So, uh, uh, hey, we got to say thanks to Keith for the referral. Yeah, that's this great. Was fucking that's great. great. And thank you so much. He's now on my board. He's, I, we're very fortunate. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. well, well played on, on both of you guys. You guys are great. Um, next time we'll drink more and we'll we'll hear some better stories or not better, uh, uh, different. different, different, different. <laughs> They're different. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks. thanks. Hey, that was awesome. <laughs>